Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 148, Firewall. We are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap BCTV in a flash. I'm Tatiana, and I'm here with... Jessica. And May. And you can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption at gmail.com if you want to send us some lengthy feedback, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com if you want to just fire away a quick anonymous ask, and the actual podcast can be found on Podomatic, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, Patreon, 24 hours early, and in addition to extra special episodes that are just for you, like Mandalorian, Bridgerton, The Boys, The Witcher, WandaVision, many Marvel shows, etc., etc., etc. And coming up, apparently, will be Invincible and Cruella. We also have received a request for In the Heights. But since we have to discuss both the movie and the colorism at the forefront of the discussion about the movie, uh, if you are Afro-Latina and wish to speak with us about it, let us know, because we'd like to have a guest. All right. Um, on to news. May, please tell us what was the latest thing to happen on Superman and Lois. Ooh, plot, another plot twist. Well, <gasps> ooh, is there another plot twist? Yes, because I told you last week that Morgan Edge was someone who was not Morgan Edge. <laughs> yeah, you didn't That's right. plot twist. You didn't yeah. twist that plot. Yes. But. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, speak on that. Oh, you're not going to spoil us? You. All right, I'm not right. going to spoil you. Okay. But I will say, plot-wise, the show has been very strong, you know. Oh. Um, and... Yeah, it just like balances the whole family aspect with the whole action aspect. The major issue I had in this one, besides, you know, somebody bringing up on Twitter and the fact is that most of the POC on the show have been villains or like antagonists or something or other. Um, And but in this particular episode, it's just like also odd on top of that is this disconnect between Superman and Lois and the Arrowverse at large. So like you had the beginning of the flash this season was like, yeah, it was Clark's recommendation or whatever. And then of course it's, I think they've been brought up on Supergirl at some point too. And we know they exist in the larger Arrowverse, but Superman Lois doesn't know that (laughs) because you do have this, um, storyline involving Clark and his heritage as a Kryptonian. And yet Supergirl is not even name dropped. Like, oh, let me call Kara to tell her this information. Right, and his cousin and is like just trapped in really the fandom zone. Exactly, and then say, oh yeah, well she can't, you know, come and help me because she's not here, which would make sense. But all it takes is like one line. And I read, um, I read an interview where Todd Helbing was basically like, oh, you know, we did have some stuff, but they were all somehow cut from every episode. I was like, really? Oh my God, I wonder who has control of that. (laughs) So yeah, I was like, "Mm, okay. So it feels, it does feel like it really is doing its own thing and it doesn't belong. And that's something I don't really like. It's like, they're too cool for school. I wonder if they're trying to like separate their HBO money from the rest of the CW shows. Like, I don't know her, like that Mariah Carey (laughs) gif. Suddenly I can't read. That is what it seems like. But yeah. Plot stuff is very strong. We'll say that. Well, that we're is approaching, very... and it felt like a season finale, but it wasn't the season finale. Oh, I was very that's right. For a I saw a tweet <laughs> that was like, "Oh, we forgot we had five more episodes. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> we'll be back with that." <laughs> anyway, 
Um, aside from that, uh, from the Illuminati, <clears throat> uh, we have learned that <laughs> Grand Gustin will have a cameo in the Flash movie, which makes sense because it'll be Flashpoint. It'll be kind of like the reverse of the crisis moment that we that we saw. Not that we know exactly what the one will be, just that Grand Gustin will be in the movie. It'll probably be a cameo. So um, I think that this is great news for him. Uh, and also, all the responses I saw were pretty positive to it. So even though many people feel like this current season of The Flash sucks balls, they still feel <laughs> in general that Grant Gustin's Flash and the legacy established by CW's Flash is worthy of, you know, moving forward the into the screen. future. Yeah, the big screen being acknowledged as the precedent. What are y'all's thoughts? I thought it was fine news like it wasn't so shocking because i'm like well of course i guess if ezra crossed over on his show then he should cross over in the movie and i just thought it would be really funny that if they had like a cameo of literally them both crossing paths as they were both flashpoint <laughs> oh that would be great that would be the best use of that Grant would be really cute that would be funny yeah. <laughs> like hey off to make terrible decisions me too yeah, yeah. my only issue was like i was like man grant's getting that dceu money i would love it if like iris and barry met up with iris and barry i mean yeah. probably not as much yeah he's getting something <laughs> i'm sure it'll be like a very quick less than a day like he has so much going on like i'm you know just to try and like carve time it's probably gonna be a green screen moment now that i think of it because i mean like he can't really yeah travel a lot so that's true it'll probably be a green screen moment yeah but you know it's still i'm sure that it's still cool a cool thing for him if that uh if it ends up happening if the sh- if the movie ends up coming to fruition at all we still don't know we're <laughs> still waiting for the trailer exactly i don't know we can't trust this we can't trust this film we can trust the luminarity though yeah obviously yes go, go Tati. unless you're james gunn you can trust the luminarity don't <laughs> Well, James Gunn always has, he's so petty sometimes. Like, he's just online. Like, you need to get off Twitter, my man. Just get off. (laughs) That reminds me, it's actually not really news at all. We shouldn't talk about it. It's fine. Okay. But just if you guys haven't checked out Anson Mount's Twitter, you totally should. All right. Anson Mount, he uh, is a dude. (laughs) Right now, I can only think of him as being the lead from that horrible show, the Marvel show that did not go anywhere. That's basically the Eternals. Oh, the you know what I'm oh, talking about? Oh, uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, but he's done other stuff, obviously. That's not his That's not his big thing. <laughs> that's that just... movie was trash, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was yeah. garbage. Like, I saw it was it was really basically bad. Anyway. the Eternals, but whatever. Just, I just don't remember what it was. It's just not the Eternals. And it's also not the... <sighs> Miss Marvel is it, though. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, Miss Marvel is one of these people. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, well, whatever. It was... Y'all know. Y'all know. <laughs> anyway. Inhumans? Inhumans. Thank you. <laughs> Inhumans. Oh, this show was so irrelevant. We completely blanked. <laughs> I just remember, like, the only thing, I didn't know what you were talking about, but, it, like, horrible Marvel shows. I just remember that, like, the one with, like, the big red hair that they yeah. somehow messed up. They messed up the hair. Oh. Yeah. That, okay. Poor woman. The dialogue right. was terrible. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything was just, okay. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> Moving on to other DC things. Apparently, um, DC executives don't think that Bruce Wayne would in- would enjoy pleasuring Catwoman. So they <laughs> removed or refused to um, accept a scene in season three of Harley Quinn where 
Batwoman, Batman will be going down on Catwoman. Because, quote, heroes don't do that. I was so confused on Twitter. I just saw, like, random people talking about, like, Batman begins, but his ladies never finish or something. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they hating on Bruce today? Like, usually it's, like, billionaires, billionaire playboy, like, beating up, like, rich white man beating up, like, poor people (laughs) in a costume or something like that. Or that he can't fly. But right. what is why is he getting this all this heat now? And then I saw the um the quote from the article and I was like, this is like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because one, like the whole like toys excuse, that's not even Harley Quinn's demographic. No one right. who is young enough to want a toy it's should watching be watching Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Exactly. And the demographic that does watch Harley Quinn will are they're already buying toys and they will still buy toys. So like their reasoning didn't make sense. No. It was so I felt like mostly it was sexism because I like Loki. Wonder if it was like reversed, would it be like borderline okay? Like if Catwoman oh, yeah. going down on Batman, Definitely. but then also I feel like it's pretty fucking coincidental that Selena Kyle is Afro Latina, and all of a sudden Batman doesn't do that to him. So all right, there, I mean, there's there's like a lot of layers to it. There's definitely that. There's definitely like you said, sexism. Um, and that whole like concept of well, I can't remember anybody's name today. You know that guy that goes another one. And he says his name, DJ Khaled, DJ Khaled. Yeah. Oh. When he said that, like, he doesn't go down on his wife because, yeah. like, he's the yeah. king, right? right? And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's that is definitely a, <laughs> a, <laughs> a mentality. Plus, yeah. this third thing of just the ratio of sex to violence, even in something that says, like, oh, we're so free-spirited as, like, Harley Quinn, right? What is allowable and what they're like, yeah, you can get away with that is, I like, just protest like- violence. We just left Harley and Ivy starting a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, do we not get to see any of that? Because, right. like, toys? Or, like, what are we, what I mean, are we gonna they do, guys? they had sex on the show. They were just, like, it was the morning after, basically. Right. They didn't right. really right. show anything. Exactly. And that, that is true, because, like, the show is super violent. So mm-hmm. people's heads can be decapitated and all that stuff. And it's like, but pleasuring a woman is not gonna harm anyone. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's show. Sense. It's like, oh God, what if what if men get ideas? From I mean, this? Also be like, we don't even know if it's if it's like an did it say if it's an ex, uh, I doubt it's an explicit scene, but even like implied. Like right. you said, like Harley and, and Ivy had like those morning afters. It was implied they had sex. We didn't see them having sex, but even like the implication that Batwoman Batman went down on Catwoman is like, oh my god. So <laughs> So yeah, just sad. Just sad. I hope that uh there's Huge backlash for this. I hope someone starts their own story of Mole Man and, I don't know, <laughs> Rat Woman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just do, like, an obvious ripoff in an indie comic and <laughs> show them how it's done. Well, you know what? Actually, I saw, like, um, someone put up a screenshot from Green Arrow comics where he's doing, like, exactly, like, he goes down on Black Canary. As he should. Yeah, in the comics. So it's like, you've already gone there, people. So, yep. and your Do toys are doing just fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe after that, Green Arrow sales just dropped. This is no one ever bought a Green Arrow toy again. Because <laughs> that was, the, that was the, like, the example. This is why they don't do that. Exactly. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we had two trailers drop for DC. We had Titans Season 3 and Stargirl Season 2. Um, we're going to meet Green Lantern's daughter in Stargirl. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. 
I don't know anything about Titans season three. I just like to keep up the suspense, you know. Just can't wait to. Be you know surprised. what? When we we got like the tweet that said that that was teasing the teaser, I was like, why would they threaten me like this? <laughs> <laughs> and then we we got the, the teaser today, and they was like, it was a lot of Jason, geriatric Bruce, and one shot of Corey. I was like, okay. Geriatric Bruce. I hope there's another trailer coming out that's Corey focused, because I know like I know yeah. the big thing where Jason and Corey story for season three. That's all we heard. You know, story-wise. So this is like the Jason heavy promo. Then I right. am expecting a Corey heavy promo before August twelfth when yeah. episodes drop. Let's hope so. And the funny thing is that they called it. I mean, it's a teaser, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm excited about those guys. Like, there was nothing here that showed me you were not <laughs> that teased. I should be holding my breath for August twelfth. You know, sad. <laughs> All right. Indeed. So uh, with that said. We have now gone uh, into the meat of this podcast, which will be, as usual, joy, no joy, feedback, ladies of gumption nominations, starting with Legends of Tomorrow, and Batwoman, and then going through to Flash. So, May, take it away. Yes, ma'am. So on side A, we have Mapped and Cloned slash Family First, starting with Legends of Tomorrow. Mick takes the Wave Rider and Kayla to try and find Sarah, but these enemies find themselves needing each other to survive after landing on the possible planet Sarah is being held captive, the planet of which we don't know the name of. Um, After a report of an alien attack, the Legends return to their new headquarters, a.k.a. Constantine's Manor, where both Spooner and Astra try to connect to the alien formerly known as Amelia Earhart. With Spooner learning that she can speak the same alien language as her, which is very shocking and very cool at the same time. Zari is suspicious of Constantine's behavior, who vo- uh, but volunteers because he volunteers Astra to perform magic in his place. But Astra and Constantine lie to cover up the fact that he no longer has magic to Zari, which you know is a thing now. Uh, and then meanwhile, Sarah devises a plan to escape by using her charm to win over Bishop, only to learn that she is actually a clone and her original form is supposedly dead. Dun dun dun. Oh, what brought joy this episode? Am I going first? Yes, please do. Okay. Share the joy. Um, I thought like the opening scene was pretty funny. Just, you know, the previous episode with Astra, the legends come in in the middle of the episode and they kind of get caught up in shenanigans immediately. So now in the beginning of this episode, we see the full effect of having all six legends inside John's house. And John is also like feeling the Aster <laughs> in like walking around and having, you know, Bayrat ordering pizzas and, and, you know, just people like taking over his stuff. Um, I thought it was funny that he was just like, couldn't find any tea and everything was like kind of crazy. And, and for such a big house, the legends made it seem very, very crowded in there. So I thought that was like a, a nice, like little opening scene. As far as the plots, I think I liked Sarah's plot line more. I thought it was more interesting, like Sarah and Mick, um, because you have, I think that the the enemies to lovers with with Mick and Kayla, um, (laughs) I actually like their kind of like dynamic. Um, I felt like they worked pretty well together. I am very like surprised and I call bullshit on them not having sex before then like when they get trapped in the pot at the end of the episode and it's like let's get it on um i'm pretty sure they were doing more than just drinking mirror on that shit but whatever um but i liked their dynamic um 
I like that Gary is building, no matter which Ava it is, he's, he's always building a special bond with an Ava. So I like that um, he kind of earns the trust of some of the Ava clones on the planet, even though, you know, he had to apologize for eating some of them. <laughs> um, it, it, like, sets up for, you know, the Ava's eventually turning on Bishop towards the end of the season, hopefully. Um and I actually like the twist. I like the twist of um, Sarah being a clone because it, it makes more sense why Bishop was so lackadaisical about security and defense because um, it was like something that he always had in his back pocket. Um, so I think that was like a, a good twist. And it kind of like puts with the Sarah and Ava relationship, it kind of puts them on like a different plane now since like both of them are clones technically so that's that's something you know that could be interesting to see how sarah deals with this fact and um ava once she finds out that sarah's alive having to play the role of you know you are still a special snowflake <laughs> for sarah in the same way that sarah did for her um when she discovered she was a clone so i think that's that's really um nice level of progression for their ship down the line um on the legend side of the plot, I liked, there's another like good twist there, I think, um, figuring out like what the deal is with Amelia, Amelia, that she's like a person, but she's also not a person because she was one of um, Bishop's first projects. Um, and like the twist that Spooner can understand her. And it, I have like a heavy theory about that. So I, I don't, I'll save that for my predictions. But um, Spooner being connected to these aliens and getting more of uh, revelations on what actually is going on with her and why she feels like she's been experimented on, but also Gideon can't find anything wrong with her. So I, I like that, that there's like a connection there. And I also like that. I do like that Ava saved Spooner in the end, but above that Zari was there. And the reason I like that Zari was there is because like earlier when she passed Spooner in the hallway and Spooner's like, kind of scared and, and nervous and she notices and Spooner's like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm quite okay. But the fact that Zari went and found Ava means that, you know, Zari's emotional IQ was like on a high level. So she knew that something was wrong, even though Spooner wasn't saying it. So I like that um, she was there because it just showed that she went to go find Ava and that's why Ava was able to save Spooner. And then again, with Zari's emotional um, quotient, the fact that she knows that something is off of John um, and I like the little, I always like the little triangle. It's not like a triangle, triangle, but like the, is that a pair? What do you call three people in a group? A triad? <laughs> okay, a triad. The triad <laughs> of um, Zari, a Constantine, and Astra. Um, and how, you know, Astra is supporting John, but Zari's also concerned about John, and John wants to lessen Zari's worries. So all of that, I feel like it's, you know, good kind of relationship dynamics there. Um, I thought it was really sad when Ava um, is told that Sarah is dead. Um, I think that was a really heartbreaking scene for for her um, emotionally, just because they spent so much time looking for Sarah um, and her to her not be there. And I think it's the truth. Like I know like, a lot of people are like, Sarah can't be dead. This like not Bishop's a liar and all this kind of stuff. But I think she's dead, dead, y'all, because I feel like the alien has no connection to Bishop as far as, you know, he 
experiment on her and then let her go. So I, I feel like part of their thing, their bite or whatever it is, is toxic and deadly. And so she probably is like, as far as they know, that is the truth that she is dead. So that was very like devastating for Ava, even though we know that it's not the truth. So I thought they were really good um, little plot twists that helped tie the whole story together. Even though I like the the alien side, Sarah alien side more, I think, than the Amelia Earhart side. Um, I also agree that I liked the Sarah uh, side more. And I think this is probably like the first time since the opening episode where I liked the Sarah side more. <laughs> um, but I, I did I did like the whole like Sarah and Bishop trying to one up each other. And the fact that just Bishop is just so dumb. Like he's able to like make this entire uh, he has his whole plan for humanity, right? He's made all these clones, whatever. He he thinks he's in a chess game because the episode was called Bishop's Gambit. And yet uh, Sarah is still able to like manipulate him. And still he gets the upper hand, but it's not like because he has a master plan. It's just because he's just that crazy. Speaking of, I love the title, Bishop's Gambit. Even though there was not enough chess okay. to justify <laughs> it. But I do like that it's Bishop's Gambit Right, because this is his plan, and then also Sarah died on the Queen's Gambit, and now she is dead on in Bishop's Ooh, Gambit. That's oh. a good plan. Um, so I like it's that. depressing depression hours, but it yes. is but it is like smart smart thoughts. Um, so <laughs> I um I so yeah, I like I like their dynamic. I think that uh, <laughs> Tala's husband, which is what I will refer to him. <laughs> as now because I don't actually know his name is quite a fun actor you know he 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 has like he gives good vibes um he's like an evil Bayrod so um I <laughs> like if Bayrod and Nate became oh, and one person I recently discovered and he then is evil. Armenian Armenian oh, Lebanese okay. and I was like oh yay <laughs> oh very cool so yeah so I really enjoyed him um and them bouncing off of each other and I did like how like Sarah and Mick are you know the two remaining OG members of the Legends. So I like that they kind of have that bond. I would say it's unspoken, except that, like, I'm pretty sure that the other episode, Ava was literally like, it's because you two are the only Legends left. <laughs> so it's like, it's not unspoken. But <laughs> they don't interact all that much for you to be like, yes, besties. And yet they do feel that deeper connection to each other. So when Bishop tells Sarah that Mick is dead, she's like, mm, nope, I'm not about that. And I did love when Kayla was like, why would you even bother saving Sarah? And then Mick was like, because she's different from other humans. Other humans are turds, but Sarah is special. And I was like, okay, that's, that's cute. I like that. Um, I do also like the concept of enemies to lovers for Mick and Kayla. So I'll say that. I feel like we did not, we have not explored it enough, but I do like the idea of it. So I was like, okay, you guys enjoy that. Um, I also thought the twist was amazing I really thought like the last couple of minutes that tie together both them discovering that Sarah is dead and then Sarah discovering that Sarah is dead um was really impactful um and I am just really excited to see where they're gonna go with that I do love like it already we already know like oh doesn't you know Theseus the ship of Theseus blah 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 doesn't matter as long as you have the memories or you have the experiences that made you you, then you're still you, even if all your parts have been replaced, blah, blah, blah. So, like, we know we know what the response is, but the journey to get there will obviously be really Yeah, because, like, Sarah telling Ava clones, you're a special snowflakes. Right. When Sarah knows that she is, like, 
the original is one thing, but mm-hmm. is it the same when Sarah's no, Sarah knows that she's no longer an original either? Right. So that'll be interesting. Exactly. Exactly. So then it'll be the Avas telling Sarah that she's a special snowflake. Speaking of, I was glad. I love that Legends listened to us. Because last time I was like, why isn't Gary having a special bond with this Ava? And now <laughs> Gary came in and had some special bonds with some Avas. Love that. I love that there was an Ava that thought he was sexy. All right, you okay, Ava. Um, <laughs> Ava three or four, whatever she was. Um, so, so yeah, that was really fun. I, I always enjoy, I always enjoy Gary. He's just a nonsensical, but um, in a very humorous way to me personally, we just get each other. Um, I also, like you, love the triumvirate that is uh, Zari, John, and um, Astra. I do, I do think it's interesting that, because I thought that they had both, like, the magic period had been zapped out, and so they both had to start at the same level. But it seems like Ava has either, Ava, Astra has either learned faster than John, or she I don't think wasn't she's learned like all, faster. Right? She just but... still got to keep the little, the little bit that she'd started. No, the spell. She, mm-hmm. I mean, the spell was specifically for John. Oh, okay. so that's so why all like, his magic John and the other dude. That's why. Yeah. So yeah. So like, I had thought that it was going to wipe out all of theirs, and they had to start together. But now she's got to teach him, even though she's got very little to start with. So that's um, that's a fun reversal of their dynamic from previously. And I do love that Zari immediately knew something was off. Even if I don't love that John wants to keep it from her, I do understand why he would, because he feels like magic is all he is, right? Like, without magic, he's not sexy. Even though Zari was like, you're still, I would still bone you without magic. I don't really care. He's like, <laughs> well, good, because <laughs> gonna have to. So I think it's more if, if he made it a thing, like, it, it became, like, a legend thing than in, like, enemies and people in hell be like, oh, John doesn't have any magic, so. And it just all come, it all come Yeah. In. All at once. <laughs> All at once. Ready to, ready to take on John. Um, so anyway, aside from that, I did like the, you know, even though it was really sad to watch Spooner slash Amelia struggle with, like, this concept that maybe, she, not Amelia, Spooner struggling with the concept that maybe she has, what has happened to her, Amelia has happened to her. Um, that was very upsetting. But I thought it was, like, a good story for her. And then that it led to the reveal, reveal about Sarah was really interesting. Um, yeah, that is all. Those are beautiful thoughts. Um, I really like how this season is sort of starting to take shape in the sense of everyone is, not everyone, but most everyone is sort of struggling with their identities, like Astra leaving hell, becoming human, struggling with who she is now that she no longer is the queen of hell, John's magic being ripped away and him struggling with who he is now that he has no magic. Uh, We had like Zari finally come into her own um, and now we have Sarah who will probably struggle with learning that she is a clone and what that means for her, you know, after she's never been a clone. It's like, what do I do now? (laughs) So I really like that they're weaving this thread through the season by tackling it with every, most every character on the show. Um, And I think that's really clever and wonderful. Um, I did not see the twist coming. I actually gasped, (laughs) but I thought it was really well done because I feel like they're, they're doing, they will do better what, Flash tried to do with Ava in the mirror, like to her discovering um, that she wasn't the real Ava. And she's like, oh my God. But that came too late in the story. Whereas like Sarah's is coming early enough where she actually will get to contend with what that means with her future. So all of that was really great. I did like her and Bishop this episode much more than I liked them last episode because they actually 
did you know converse more they sarah had more to do rather than just trying to escape like using her charms her and her little you know cute little blue dress <laughs> um and then like i mean bishop's plan is kind of dumb but he is also like a really fun villain to just like him doing whatever he wants and the way that he talks and he thinks he's just so so smart and witty and whatever um and those are always like really fun villains to play with uh what else like mick i like the fact that mick came for sarah in the sense that like they have this weird like you said they don't really hang out enough for you to be like yes besties but they have this you know, interesting mutual respect for each other. They are the only uh, original legends left on the team, but they, and they've been through like so much together and they don't talk on that level, but it's just like a Mick has a hard time connecting with people in general that the fact that he feels so strongly about Sarah and her being a person worth rescuing is really kind of sweet <laughs> for Mick. So I really like that. Um, and I really felt for Spooner because like, she she's also struggling with her her identity now that she knows you know she is part alien she can understand alien something happened to her um and the fact that that really freaks her out was just really sad to see but also like halfway through the episode i'm like oh my god is are they gonna give spooner anything else and then they did i'm just like okay we're good <laughs> because i feel like you know she started off just being the alien translator i guess now she's a literal alien translator because she could be a literal alien and that is really really interesting um what else i also loved zari picking up on something being really off with constantine and spooner i like the fact that even though constantine didn't tell zari the truth that astra that he and astra are sort of on the same page now they're like having each other's backs and um because like last episode they did not <laughs> or he did not have hers so you know now that they're on this weird power different power dynamics going on there it's interesting to see like how they will be there for each other in this next step in their relationship um what else i just liked all the general chaos at the at constantine's place there was just a lot going on and that whole scene where they're all like talking at the same time and just driving him insane was really <laughs> was really really fun and classic like legends magic um so yeah i'm happy that we're finally picking up on the alien story and it's getting things are really getting interesting but what did not spark joy speaking of the alien story um <laughs> this one did not spark as much joy i really like the break from the alien hunting from the past episode um amelia Earhart been there seen her <laughs> so I wasn't really um I didn't find it very like exciting that side of the story um I also was confused like I don't know I feel like John's house is in all time periods but I was just like really confused on how they got to 1956 if they're not in 1956 but then like I saw Ava had like her little time watch thingies so I'm guessing that's how they they did it but a little bit of you know, show the watch, open a door or something. Cause I was like slowly confused on how they got there without the time ship. Um, but th I think like what I, Spooner was on something and then Ava was also on something. Um, you know, Spooner's kind of like, you know, suspicious of aliens anyway. So that, and, like her kind of, uh, big rod cop, Spooner cop thing was a little tricky. 
at times, not knowing where it was going to go and how it was going to go, who was having like the right approach. But then Ava does the thing that Ava does when, <laughs> and I, I don't like, I don't know. I don't know why I don't like it with her because she, whenever she gets into like savage mode over Sarah, like typically I feel like for ships, people like that when character A goes savage over, if you hurt character B, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but I just don't, I don't like it for Ava because it's also her stranger danger mode where when new people come in, she's not very nice or open to them. And she does, she's less rational and she does risky things that um, are detrimental to the progress that she's trying to make. Um, so when she finds out about the wave rider and she like barges in, like, cause despite Spooner's tactics of putting like a bunch of caffeine pills in Amelia Earhart's tea to kind of wake her up, I feel like they were getting somewhere and they would have, you know, they were slowly making progress and they would have gotten somewhere if not for Ava barging in without accessing the situation beforehand because of the wave rider and trying to figure out like, where did you put Sarah? You know? So I feel like she ruined that part. And then they came up with the second plan of John to John and Astra to use magic to figure out her, like her memories and if she's an alien or a human or not. Um, and John volunteers Astra, which is already weird. And they agree to let us after some like, you know, discussion. They agree to let Astra do it, and but Astra's still like a beginning magician or whatever you called Constantine. Um, and the fact that it was getting like very difficult, it was getting borderline risky for Astra. But Ava just kept pushing Astra to go beyond what Astra was safe for her to do because of the possibility of finding something about. So there's not even like any certainty that what they would have found out would have made any difference. And the only result would have been hurting Astra, but Ava didn't put that into consideration. So I don't know. It's I, it, those are the kind of things that that don't that make me like Ava less. Those are her less attractive qualities to me. Um, which again, like I don't. I feel like I don't know. I'm trying to like compare it to other ships and if they had done so, like a Barry and Iris. But I mean, like there's that one episode where Spock Barry hurt all his team and then he kept pushing to the point that he actually mm-hmm. hurt the person that he loved so I mean and I didn't like that either so I don't know like Ava Ava's like savage mode is not <laughs> appealing uh, to me because it usually <laughs> winds up like hurting other people that are supposed to be her teammates and right. that she's supposed to care about so I didn't like that um I thought Bishop I agree that Bishop is kind of he seems kind of dumb for a super villain like and and Sarah was not particularly um, believable in the fact that she had just flipped over to his side automatically. And so it's like very weirded out that he just believed her, that he only had one camera. Right. That she, that she could cover it with tape and then Gary could come in and out. Um, that he wasn't like watching her. And I guess like the whole, the whole gambit part of it is he'd already banked on the fact that Sarah wasn't the original Sarah. Um, in being able to to play that card at any time, but it just it seemed like it was too easy, and like he was playing her, but he wasn't. So it's uh, yeah. Um, I think those are my main quibbles. 
there and they are good quibble quibbles to have um i agree with basically all of them <laughs> i'm also not like a huge fan of savage ava um nor do i, I but I, I think my main my main like issue because like it's not like i have like a really big problem with any specific storyline um just i think there's so many storylines in this episode like everyone was divided up into like little like like two or three people um, and so there's only like a couple of scenes for um, for each set um, to really get us through. And in the end, it all connected, but it wasn't. Um, I feel like we didn't need all of them at once. I feel like we could have had like two episodes with certain things, especially if we were going to then sacrifice like everyone finding out about Sarah at the end. I feel like it's just like three people are like, oh shit, Sarah's dead. And then like, what are the other people? You know, the people are not there to know that. So then we're going to get like. The Star Labs moment, like in the start of next episode, we're like, so we've established that Sarah is dead, and now we have to go from there <laughs> instead of everyone getting like a moment to find out about it at the same time. Um, so, anyways, aside from that, I did say like, okay, Mick and Kayla hooking up is fine, but I feel like we skipped out on a lot of what could have been the fun of their dynamic. We just went from like, and now we are going to be on this trip, and now we have been on this trip, and we're gonna hook up. So I was like, oh, there could have been. Some more moments uh, in between before we got to the eventual lovers part of the enemies to lovers dynamic. Um, what else? Oh yeah, Amelia Earhart. Like yes, been there, done that. But also just her life was just so depressing. It's Amelia Earhart. I mean, obviously she disappeared, you know, and then she probably just died or whatever. So it's sad anyway. But like to be like she didn't die. She was kidnapped by aliens and she was tortured. Um, and then she was got my oh bishop, my and then she's experimented on, and now she's just like, you know, her mind has been taken over by this alien, just like, you know, slowly dying from the inside, but also trapped in this body from however many years ago. I was like, well, that really does suck. And now she's dead, so thanks for putting her out of her misery. But <laughs> it was a very, it was very depressing slash dark for Legends. Um... I don't feel like the Sarah death thing will be is going to be that dark because it's going to just be like you're still a unique snowflake like we've already said but <laughs> but uh, compounded with Amelia's whole story happening over for us and then of course what Spooner fears is going to happen to her I was like god this is like a bummer so there you go <laughs> that's all wonderful <laughs> um, mine are like I agree about the, the Ava thing because I do think that and especially this season, because it doesn't feel like the team is very team-like. And I think that that's mostly the same on most other shows, with exception. Like, there's some disconnect. And I feel like because of that, and Ava's like, no, we need to find Sarah the whole season. And that's fine. But also, like you said, you know, her doing so sort of neglects everybody else. Like, I feel like she's captain now. Too, and the fact that she doesn't really have many, like, I guess, heart to hearts with anybody else doesn't necessarily, it makes it seem like she just doesn't care about anybody else on the Wave Rider, even though, you know, she met everyone all at the same time. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that they could do like a better job at least having Ava sort of be there for people in another way while also caring about what happens to Sarah you know it's not like we want either or um and I guess like I just don't really understand how alien anatomies work because 
<laughs> you have Kayla, who is an, obviously an alien, and then she suddenly trans. She can transform into a human. The same thing with Gary and and him being able to transform into a human. And then her and Mick are like they're having sex. And I'm just like, I don't. How does it's this? It's so funny because like it's work. <laughs> Glasses are like a hologram, so like they're right. still alien like, underneath. Exactly. Right? Yes. Oh my God. So I'm like, oh my God. I don't know. And, and even we need, like we the... need like a sex ed for the aliens here, so we can understand what is going on. <laughs> yes, I would like to know. <laughs> and also, like with, um, I guess it just just made me laugh more than anything. Like it took me out because you had Spooner's like, oh my God, I speak this alien language, but every time she would scream at the alien, different words would show up, but she was just still just screaming at the alien the, the same, same exact scream. word. <laughs> I was like, are you saying We need this? some linguistics people on <laughs> <laughs> the legend. <laughs> so it's just like little things like that. And I do agree with Tati. Like, there are... Exactly. <laughs> 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 uh, I agree with Tati about how there are a lot of storylines. And like I said, it's, it's sort of feeding into the whole disconnect. Like two people here, three people there. But... Maybe because they don't really have the ship anymore or they're not on the ship as often, there's not more of a group-ish dynamic. Like, I think some characters will just disappear for scenes on end. I'm like, I don't know where they went, what happened to them. You know, Baharad still doesn't have anything really <laughs> to do. Um, so that is uh, upsetting to me. Do we have any feedback? We do have some feedback. And I will read it. I believe we have Shang feedback. Legends. So Bishop is technically immortal because he keeps cloning himself into a new body and his conscience with science? Okay, that's actually fucking dope. Yeah, Bishop is a really dumb genius. I don't know how he does it. Uh, The way John knows magic but can't keep his house in order, make it make sense. Also really funny that he searches for tea because he's British. Yes, (laughs) that is very funny. Am I supposed to ship Spooner and Bayrod? I totally forgot to say that. Yes. Look at you. You ship it. Shang's shipping the heteros like a straight person. Yeah. He was getting on us for constantly. (laughs) Sorry. Now look at you. Listen, equal opportunity shipping here. Any two people who are in a room together can get shipped. (laughs) But yes, um, I felt the shipping too. <laughs> Shang. Um, but, but then he said, is it opposite track or is it siblings that can't get along at first? I'm down for both. Yes, either one is fine. I agree. <clears throat> when I said Bishop was going to clone Sarah, I didn't mean for our Sarah to die. What the fuck? Also, the ep where Sarah first died was called Queen's Gambit. Oh my god, Shang, we are the same. Um, and this ep is called Bishop's Gambit. Coincidence? I think not. Yes. This storyline actually slaps hard. She's not actually in her real body, so she's still the real Sarah that fell in love with Ava? Did the position from the poison from the alien really kill her and Bishop put her into a, move, a new body of her old mind? Would she rather die herself or have her own mind in a new body? Hmm, much to think about. Finally, Ava's expression of the thought of Sarah being dead. Y'all! <laughs> they really gonna do me like this. Yeah. They are, yeah, they are. They are, in fact, gonna do you like that. It's very, very sad times. Um, Suara actually also had thoughts. And it was, Legends this week was overall good. I found the Sarah Bishop dynamic fascinating. I think that Rafi Varsumian is doing a great job as the season villain. He's doing a good job of being absolutely ridiculous. And he's clearly having a great time in the role. I totally agree. The twist with Sarah at the end was very chilling and sets up very interesting implications. We still know this is the real soul of Sarah in the new clone body the same way that Bishop is. But there are still layers to unpack. Loved watching Astra learn and do more magic and found it interesting that 
John was trying to hide his newfound lack of magic from the others. Getting to see what he is without magic will be fascinating. And as always, Matt Ryan is fantastic. I suppose what I found less compelling was the Amelia Earhart turned monster alien subplot. I just felt kind of eh on it. Yeah. I did like what it did for Esperanza's plotline and developing her powers. Also, I ship her and Bayrod even more now. Let <laughs> Spumulet sail. Spumulet? We gotta work Spooner. on that far. Okay. <laughs> Spoolhog? 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 <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thank you both yeah, for okay. your feedback. <laughs> Wonderful. Do we have any um, predictions? Well, my prediction is that Spooner and Bishop know each other. At least Bishop knows Spooner because I think maybe she was one of the first people that he experimented on, which mm-hmm. makes sense considering Amelia Earhart and the fact that Spooner can communicate with the aliens. How she, I don't know, maybe he put her back, sent her back to Earth as like a test subject. I don't know. Um, but I do think that she knows the villain, even though she doesn't know that she knows him yet. I approve of this. Tati, do you have any thoughts? No thoughts. No thoughts from Tati. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to Batwoman. Jacob and Alice join forces to kidnap Cersei, a.k.a. Kate, and attempt to unbrainwash her brainwashed mind. Ocean is excited to meet Jacob because this is exactly the kind of weird family reunion this show desperately needs. (laughs) Alice quickly realizes that it's her who can help unlock Kate's mind as she starts to remember her memories, which are kind of stuck in the middle of Cersei's memories as well as we see young Kate in sort of memory slash flashback. (laughs) However, Black Mask is working with Sophia, who is back in town to get revenge on Alice for destroying her desert roses. Elsewhere, Luke is really going through it and and he goes to an underground casino-like place to confront Tabaroff, who continues to be the biggest asshole in Gotham, and gets a nice talking to from Diggle, who is there to get his brain checked for reasons <laughs> Green Lantern may be related. Um, then Ryan and Mary have to team up as they give Luke some space to deal with his feelings post almost dying. And Ryan decides to exchange her desert rose for Alice in the hope Sophia would leave. But Sophia's petty and she ends up having Ocean killed to get back at Alice. Meanwhile, Jacob is arrested and taken to Metropolis. Lots of things happening in this episode. Michael Alowitz directed the episode written by Danielle Thompson. What broad joy. Um, I really like that uh, Luke got time uh, at episode to like work out his feelings. I like that Diggle was involved in it, but not like it wasn't like Diggle was like, and let me take you under my wing and teach you how to be the support hero to the other hero or whatever. So I like that we got to sprinkle him into the universe because Batwoman is one of the shows, not quite like um, Superman and Lois, but that has felt somewhat disconnected from the rest of the Arrowverse outside of like the one crossover that it got to be a part of. Um, so so it is nice to just you get to see glimpses of the of the Arrowverse or sorry, the CW verse uh, now. Um, this season finally after after much uh, prolonged wait. Um, also I really lo- I loved the conversation that Ryan had with him where she was basically like, you know, um, I respect your life choices, but you have to be alive making them. So <laughs> No more, no more dying <laughs> because we need you. I thought it was like really, that was a really nice. Um, I'm sure that in the moment he was feeling very overwhelmed and like, you know, depressed and upset. But at the same time, he has people that love him and that he still loves on this planet. 
that he may as well uh, <laughs> work with and still be around. Um, I also really liked the um, return of Kane family antics. I thought that it was really interesting and surprising to see Jacob and Alice kind of like actually teaming up. I thought he would be a lot more, um, I don't know. Resistant? Resistant to it. Yeah, exactly. Be like, eh, okay, sure. But instead it was like, we actually got to see like what a relationship between them might look like. Not that I, not that I think that it'll ever really get there, but hey, we got to see a little bit more of Jacob actually be proactive about his daughters and being like less of the absolutely annoying doofus that we normally see him be. Um, also loved how Alice brought up uh, Kate, you know, when Kate first wanted to come out to her sister and how she was afraid of how Alice would react and how Alice let her know, like, I already know and I love you and everything is wonderful. That was really lovely. Um, also liked that Jacob kept Mary in the loop about it. You know, so Mary got to feel like somewhat part of the family. And even though I was like, poor Mary, why does no one remember Mary? I did love that even though um, Kate did not immediately recognize, right? Like she couldn't immediately connect with the rest of her family, including Mary, as soon as Sophie came in, they were both like, oh my God, Kate, oh my God, Sophie, OTP. So anyone who was previously, you know, on the fence about who, where Sophie was going romantically, I think this episode kind of answers that question. It will still be Kate. Um, other than that, I did, I thought that Ocean wanting to impress Jacob was really funny. Uh, and the way that <laughs> Alice introduced him, she's like, this is Ocean, my boyfriend. Um, it was it was all really cute up until, you know, it was not cute anymore. Uh, but speaking of Sophia being not cute, I did like how she was part of like wanting to bring real Kate back, right? Like, I guess she, whatever beef she has with um, Sionis. Black mask. She was like, "Yes, I will help you attack your not not even your father, uh, Cersei Kate." Uh, so yeah, the ending with uh, Cersei Kate and what's his face, Sionis, um, was Roman. Thank you, Roman Sionis, uh, was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I thought it was overall it was like really good, a really good solid episode. And Batman is having a strong, a very strong season. There you go. Bat- yes, yes, Batwoman is. Um, I really enjoyed this episode as well. I like that it wasn't a Diggle story because we, I mean, we saw Diggle in the promo pics. He's like, okay, here's the big story. And it's his first appearance in his like little slate of appearances. Um, but I like that he didn't take over the story. It wasn't like a, let's stop the plot and have Diggle come to town. He was just there to compliment Luke's story. Um, and I feel like that's the way that it should be. Um, I, I like. I would like all of his appearances to be this way, but I also know that Batwoman is the one that he had like the least or like no prior relationships or ties to, so it would have been like really difficult to pivot to him. Um, so I think the way that they did it was really, really good, and I like that it gave Luke the perspective of another black man, black man to black man conversation about what it's like living while black. <laughs> So um, I like how they did that. I like that Diggle didn't know Luke, but he was still, he could obviously see the tension between Luke and Tavaroff, and he was, um, you know, there to have Luke's back. Because Luke needed someone. He didn't know that he needed someone, but he definitely needed someone. So I'm glad that, that Diggle was there for that. Um, I also like that Ryan was willing to give Luke space. 
Um, but you see her keep checking in on him throughout the episode and giving him opportunities to get back into the game. So at first it started out not great at all when he was supposed to be at the comms and he wasn't. And she's like, okay, maybe you just need some space too early. I'm sorry. But then like when he is going to the casino, she shows up. He's like, is this what you really want to do? And then she shows up again. And I think, I think she shows up like two or three times. But then at the end where it becomes absolutely necessary, they need Luke to help Kate. They um, do, she puts out the back signal, bat signal, and she kind of like puts her foot down at that point. Like, look, <laughs> you can't keep distancing yourself from me. Too many people love you. We all love you. Um, I do like that Luke had the opportunity earlier in the episode to really express to Ryan what his feelings were and why he can't just hop back on the horse, so to speak, um, because he didn't actually want to wake up. Because I think that that kind of like frustration was important for her to hear, um, to understand why he was having such a hard time and how complicated his feelings were. Um, and then I liked at the end when, you know, she calls the bat signal to bring him back and she's like, you know, listen, <laughs> you're important to me. Your life matters to me. There are people on this side of the celestial divide that still needs you here with us. Um, because I think like that was definitely important for Luke to hear. Cause you know, the last episode, he's like, my dad is there, you know, he's the person that I, I need, I need him. But so realizing that, well, there's still people here that need you as well. You are important to somebody as well. I think it's really um, powerful for, for him to hear um, and people that, you know, are struggling with those kind of thoughts um, kind of like reevaluating, you know, you still have pros to being on this side and, right. and people that want to, see you and that you make their life better. So I thought that was great. Um, I generally like the Kate plot. Um, I thought Roman having her do like a Charlize Theron style makeup commercial was hilarious. It's not <laughs> it a little so bit funny. ridiculous. Like I feel like they literally did it because like on a sliding scale of like Ruby Rose and Charlize Theron, like Wallace is like right in the middle of there. So it works. Um, and, you know, they got kind of creative with her backstory and why she's been away for so long. Um, I, th I think they did a good job also being creative using young Kate with Cersei, adult Cersei, in that little mindscape kind of thing. Because for obvious reasons, we can't have, like, adult Kate. So young Kate stood in for Kate's psyche in general. Um, and I like that, you know, because you also have the connection with her and Alice and being locked in the room, um, you know, as a young girl and wanting their sister to to help them pull them out. So I thought it was a nice way to get around that. Um, I was I also thought it was very humorous that Ocean wanted to make a good impression on Jacob, as if Jacob's opinion actually matters. But <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, again, like Kate and Sophie recognizing each other immediately, like the bat whole Batmore reunion. It was also kind of funny, like you said, like she didn't, she had trouble recognizing her dad, Alice, without some, some help, Mary, but I don't know, I don't even know if anyone told Sophie that Kate was there, like I feel like maybe that phone call happened off screen or whatever, but as soon as they came in, they immediately knew who each other were, <laughs> which is like, you know, OTP feels, yes. um, <laughs> I, you know, it's a little sad that 
you know, she ran back to Roman at the end because I was, you know, I would like a little bit more Sophie Kate interaction, but that's obviously can come more down the line. But I did like the fact that Cersei slash Kate doesn't completely trust Roman either. So she's not really on either side now. She's kind of like on her own side and trying to like figure things out. So there's some gray area there for the back team to like get back, get her back on their side. Um, so I think that's, it's a nice little open space area. And then I also like, I love Sophia coming back into play, into the mix to kind of spice up <laughs> Roman Sionis um, and that whole big bad plot. Um, so I'm interested to see, she has what she needs now, but, you know, I still think that there's more of her to come in the back half. So it's curious to see where she goes from here. Um, Cause I think like the whole island was burnt down or most of it. So is she moving shop or, you know, so it's, that's kind of interesting. I just like her back oh, yeah. in, in general. So, yeah. Yeah, she just popped up. I was like, huh. It took me a while, too, to remember her name. <laughs> I, I had to text, like, the first and time, I was, like, yeah. live tweeting. I was like, oh, my God, who is this? What is her name? <laughs> <laughs> but I liked seeing her, and I liked the fact that, you know, it was, like, a big shock. Not a big shocker, but, you know, that she was working with Black Mass. Like, oh, oh, this is interesting. Because um, I think I love her vibes in general. Everybody's, she's just so petty. Alice is petty. Just petty, like wrestling fight match over here um and i love the fact that she was obviously back for revenge surprise it took her this long (laughs) to come back after alice um and just the whole idea that she was willing to take from Alice, like she was unwilling to let alice have it all she didn't want her to have it all she's like you know you took all of this from me you actually think that you're gonna get your little happy ending that you you suddenly found yourself with a boyfriend your dad is back and he's acknowledging you she was like taunting so this you know she was she was (laughs) (laughs) and then like she had her sister back but it's like no um so she's she still stays a great villain (laughs) love that for her and for us and then i for Luke's storyline, I really, really like the fact that he did get to have his space. Um, it would have been so easy to just sort of gloss over what happened to him. But, of course, we have to build him up towards being Batwing. <laughs> um, and the fact that he even went to, I guess it was a casino, to see Tabarov because he knew he would be there. And it was like a place where all of these cops went to hang out. The fact that he went there, I'm not sure exactly what he was trying to do. But it felt like, you know, because Tabarov is there. And it's like, this is a place he knows. This is a place he feels like he's in control. And Luke was sort of there trying to take a little, some of that back, like making him may, maybe feel somewhat, not helpless, but like like he didn't he didn't have it all like he thought because he it could be taken away. Um, in this case, it was money. <laughs> it's a so, very admirable way to justify yes. that, that plot. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused. Because I was like, what's Diggle doing here? Like, he comes here for an appointment and, you know, I guess everybody just wants to gamble. Then, yeah. But <laughs> but I'm glad that they met. You know, it was nice because we know, we know Diggle. Luke doesn't know Diggle. But the fact that they got to still bond um, and have that discussion that was very genuine and made Luke feel like he really meant something. Um, because sometimes people you love tell you that they love you they tell you all the time or they at least treat you like they love you 
sometimes you need to hear certain things from strangers to feel like you can sort of get back to your life and the people you do care about. So it was really nice that they had that conversation and that it was, um, it happened around the same time that he got the bat signal Morse code to go back and then have that another conversation with Ryan, uh, which was lovely too. Like she did give him space, but then she clearly made, she made it clear that, you know, he was important. She needed him there. And it wasn't just because he needed to like man the bat cave or whatever. Um, so that was really wonderful. And I really liked Alice's story of Kate, you know, coming out and just the general vibes of young Kate and Beth, because we don't get that as often and just see how much they care about each other, how much they were always there for each other growing up um, and how deeply that connection ran that the first time Kate sort of does start remembering things, it's through Alice. Um, but I also loved it when like Sophie walks in and they have that little reunion. Cause like, Oh my God, <laughs> I did not expect to see any of that, which is really nice. So it's still, you know, there's still some hope um, for a lot of hope for Batmore or whatever we're calling them now. <laughs> um, so all of that was great. And I did also like the fact that Alice got her validation with regards to Jacob. Still don't like Jacob, but I'm oh, glad for Alice that, that she oh, got yeah. good. Yeah. Good for her. He was <laughs> yes. like, oh, I love her. my daughter. Yes. <laughs> Yay. So I think that she did, did need to hear that because we saw from the, I think like the earlier episodes when she was kind of rummaging through um, what's her face Enigma's files or whatever and seeing like what Jacob was saying about her and his memories and what he wanted to feel. And she's just like, yeah, I'm not buying that. But she really felt like, you know, now she's buying it. She does believe he what he's saying. Over so, her I, and like, yeah, right. It's like some, some airtime <laughs> after so long her in front of the world. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, yeah, it was a great moment for her. And <laughs> as much as I didn't like. No, no, I'll get, I'll get to that part later. <laughs> what else? Oh, yes. Kate Cersei. I think that, you know, it's so I think that now look, looking back, I feel like introducing Wallace a couple of times as Kate and then actually bringing her into a whole episode really made it so that we sort of got used to her without getting used to her. So we were already like prepared for what was to come and how she would look and whatever. Um, and I, yeah, like her and Alice are very striking as sisters. It's disturbing to me <laughs> that they look so much alike um, and making them much more believable actually like as sisters, but also the fact that Kate was warring with her own memories and right. Now she's like, she barely had time to live her life as Cersei. Now she's kind of caught between two worlds and she doesn't know where she stands. So she's having an identity crisis. Um, but I did love that the way that they introduced it and the way that they brought everybody in uh, without like keeping secrets about, oh yeah, Kate's still alive. After they just sort of mourned her. Um, and I think that they gave the storyline like everybody, ample Everybody found out. Everybody. <laughs> and they gave everyone sort right. of ample time. They gave the audience ample time and the characters ample time to sort of grieve Kate's loss, like the previous Kate, so that we can be reintroduced to Kate 2.0 and have that storyline kind of hit the ground running. Um, but what did not spark joy? <laughs> um, I agree with what Jessica will bring up later about like Cersei being inside Kate. I was like, 
why is she having to fight against like the implanted memories that have been implanted for like an hour? Like right. I don't really feel like this is that that important. Um, I guess you know whatever. Enigma's just like super powerful from beyond the grave. Um, so so yeah, that part was a little bit silly, um, and it kind of like it felt like. Yeah, like she has to keep, they, they have to keep like branding her like, oh yeah, and then this is me, and then this piece is me, and then that piece is me. I was like, can we just do the thing where, you know, you see like one visual cue and then suddenly all your memories come rushing back, snap, it's over, because <laughs> I don't really need, I don't really need this, um, this extra bit added on. But anyway, um, Ocean, I don't even like, because Ocean just dies every few episodes, so I'm like, is he even dead? I don't know, I feel like he'd just probably be brought back, right? Probably, maybe? He's so, the most damsel of damsels that has exactly, ever Exactly, exactly, so if he is really gone, <laughs> It is interesting because, um, he's died. Rachel he's posted a picture of the actress who plays Tatiana, she's like, oh, it was her last day ever, and I'm like, she didn't post one with Ocean until they wrapped the season. Right. So I was like, so hmm, he's maybe he is still alive. He's not gone. He's not gone. He's not gone. Um, so yeah, I feel like I feel like they're gonna bring him back some way. I mean, I do understand the concept of, you know, like oh Alice can't have like a romantic happy ending or just any happy ending, probably, you know, in order to con- to continue perpetuating this like kind of villainous role. But now that she's gone so far into like anti-hero route, I feel like backsliding her into villain again is just like not gonna fly. And if she's not going to backslide in the villain, she's going to remain an antihero, then just let her have a dumb little sidekick who <laughs> worships the ground she walks on. Why not? Like, why did you even bother otherwise? We already have her, you know, anchor in Kate. She doesn't need Ocean other than to be sad. So, so yeah, bring my little meow meow she back. Does, she does need a new mouse. Yes. Like <laughs> yeah, it's a little mouse and, and a new mouse, which just keep Ocean. I don't want a third mouse. So anyway, <laughs> um, aside from that, I just... In general, I feel like we need more. Like, like one thing I was really glad about, I didn't really say, like, I, I was glad that Luke taking time for himself then came back to Ryan, too. It was like they are the ones that had that important conversation. Because they could have just easily been like, oh, Kate is back. This is a big reason for me to go see my bestie Kate. Oh, my God. Right. You know? Um, so I was glad they did that. Because I feel like the show is still needs more characters that belong to Ryan. Mm-hmm. So, so that the show really is implanted in being about Ryan. Because, like, this episode is you know, Kate's return, and then it feels like so many characters are like, oh, Kate is here. Okay, we have Thank a God. New- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, right now, I feel like if we had, like, quote-unquote, like, a divorce, right? And <laughs> and Ryan and Kate split up, not that they were together, but I feel like Ryan would get to, like, keep Mary and then maybe Luke, you know, now, like, Luke. And then everyone else would just go with Kate. And I'm like, I don't want... I mean, Jacob can go. I don't need him. But I want, <laughs> I want Sophie to stay. <laughs> So I don't know. I feel like we need to marry marry those two sides of this story more and or anchor more characters in Ryan. Because Angel- Angelique, Angelique Angelique. Yeah. I can't even remember her name was brought in like just for Ryan. Uh, but everybody hated her and now she's gone. So I was like, what else is just for Ryan? <laughs> so there you go. That's all. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think we have some anons that are feeling the same way that they don't feel like Ryan's season has really been about Ryan. Um, so I definitely feel that, feel that. Um, my dislikes, I dislike that Tavaroff is alive and breathing. <laughs> He's pretty cocky. That is, for, that is, that is a good dislike. <laughs> for someone out on attempted murder. Um, 
it just the way, like, you know, the fact that he was bold-faced lying, um, that he shot Luke, and now Luke is alive. Like, you should feel at least, like, slightly, like, relieved, sir, that you didn't murder someone that didn't do what you said that they did, even though you lied to try and cover it up. Um, I also don't, like, the whole, the whole, I don't, I don't understand what, what Luke's, I support him. He won his poker challenge, so yay. Go Luke. Um, but I don't know if I understood what his master plan of revenge through poker was. Like, was he trying to, like, bankrupt him so you can't afford he's a lawyer and then, like, fight the system that way? I don't know. <laughs> but I just, I don't, I'm not really sure. And I get the whole kind of, like, cavalierness, him kind of, like, going into this police off-duty casino bar or whatever and just because like he doesn't care about his life at this moment so he's just kind of like going off cocky and and you know not really thinking about any kind of consequences of antagonizing a whole bunch of cops in this that are cheating in this bar um but uh, aside from that like I don't know that he had like a master plan like were you just gonna like steal the take the money and and leave and how did you think I don't know It, it was a little bit weird how they kind of chose that route or tried to marry that with Diggle being introduced. Cause also like, why was Diggle there? And there's this like weird kind of like respectable black thing where Taffer was like, Oh no, Mr. Diggle, sir, not you. <laughs> I meant this other, other guy that was just like, not, he's not one of us kind of thing. It's just kind of weird. Um, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, that was kind of, you know, it led to something good, but the whole, like, plot didn't make sense. Um, Brian swallowing her pride. This is such a far turn for her leaving Alice for dead <laughs> with Cersei. <laughs> she swallows her pride and she gives up her most value. I feel, I think this goes back to, like, what you are saying also about, like, this season not being about Ryan. Um, because, mm. like, Ryan is giving up her mother, essentially, to Sophia. Right. For someone that she's never met not really connected to like we had the whole like you know batwoman saved her once as a child but still like do you owe her your mother's plant do you really (laughs) (laughs) if it was mary's plant mary can give it up that'd be like a great um you know like what am i trying to say just like decision whatever for mary like she asked to save Alice in order to save Kate. Great for Mary. For Ryan, I felt like it was she was giving up more than what she got, especially because Alice ruins it and she keeps running her mouth off to Sophia. Um, and, you know, Sophia could have just, like, cut the deal right there because Alice was, like, running her mouth. Um, but, you know, but then she kind of does because Sophia made that, that line that Ocean was possibly not long for this life. <laughs> and then... For her troubles, Alice leaves Ryan in Lurch to go after her boyfriend, which I thought was also kind of shocking. Like, Alice has been like, my sister, my sister, my sister, this whole time. Right, right. And this one time when her sister actually needs her, she's like, you know what? Boyfriend. <laughs> so, you know, Ryan didn't really get a lot out of that situation. And it was all for someone that matters more to other people than to herself. Weird. Um not really a no joy, more like of an indifference because it, it, I don't know. I don't like Jacob, so I don't care that this happened to Jacob. <laughs> but the fact that like Roman framed Jacob to go to jail for harboring Alice, 
Um, and now we know where all the corrupt cops are in the GCPD. They're like, what happened to GCPD? Like, why aren't they like GCPD? And it's all because they're in like Roman's pocket. So now that we have no crows, the GCPD can be corrupt again. <laughs> so I guess that's the thing now. But like, he's going to jail again. It was just kind of funny because Jacob is always like going to jail for things that Alice actually did. Like the last time he went to jail is because <laughs> Alice <laughs> killed Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the main part of Snowjoy was his, like, press conference asking people to have mercy on Alice. Alice was a good girl. She was such a sweet girl. You know, like, for, you know, have mercy on her for she knows not what she does. It's like, you love your daughter? Good for you? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't mean that I have to love her as a citizen of Gotham. Um, You know, it's kind of like parents, you know, of uh, mass shooters being like, I love him. You have to remember he's got a mental illness or something like something like that it's like you might love your son you may be able to love him through his mess i do not have to i'm sorry so you know it may have worked for alice it did not work for me um and then finally i was a little confused like tati mentioned that i would say um uh, the internal like mental struggle between kate and cersei because there literally is not a cersei to be in kate's mind to, like take over her psyche um you know, she's not like possessed by Cersei. Like there's Cer- not a Cersei ghost. Like they didn't do like a, a surgery to implant a piece of Cersei's brain or consciousness into Kate. Um, so there, I feel like there shouldn't be like an actual Cersei in there for Kate to have a fight with. Um, so I guess I wish we knew more about Enigma's brainwashing technique or how she did it or what was involved in that because. You know, again, like Cersei's consciousness, actual consciousness was not transferred into Kate's brain. It's just personality traits that they've implanted on top of Kate. So, like, the whole idea and the visual of Kate and Cersei resting for control is a little bit fuzzy. Like, I, I get, like, what they're going for, but, like, it's kind of fuzzy. So. Agreed. Um with regards to the whole Jacob and Alice thing, I agree with that in the sense that even, and I feel like they do this, especially with their white women villains, just sort of how they didn't, they went around trying to make Killer Frost, like, or Caitlin's actions as Killer Frost, a Caitlin thing, like her decisions. No, she was this way and that. And they made right. up excuses for it. Yeah. They're, they've done the same thing with Alice this season with regards to Sophia messed with her mind and she was so close to loving and feeling she optimistic again, but she went, you know, oh, Sophia screwed her over. Her a victim. Yes, he did. And that's what yeah. was annoying. I was just like, yeah. you may think that she was, and you know, Sophia did fuck with her, but at the same time, it's, you're, I mean, you're true, taking away her agency has, with regards yeah. to her actions on her own. Um, and blaming it all on Sophia. There was something probably deep down in her somewhere like her no longer remembering Ocean is not going to stop making there her like change her entire personality. Exactly. Yeah. There are plenty so of chances for her not to do stupid things and kill people. So, exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't like that. I don't like what that says about, you know, them victimizing white women specifically who are going to be villains. So, um, and then like Jacob at the end of the episode calling Mary and basically telling her, like, he was basically saying that. I have to worry about Kate and Alice. I never have to worry about you. Will someone love this daughter? 
right. as a child. I don't <laughs> like that because it implies like I never have to worry about you. I don't have to care for you as much as your, the other two because if they have issues and you're well so put together. But that doesn't mean Mary's not going through her own shit and no one bothers to check in on her with right. regards to her family side. So that's really frustrating because Jacob hasn't really spoken to her all season. And when he finally does give this like seemingly heartfelt speech, it's to basically say like pat her on the head and be like, you're good. I never had to worry about you. So I don't like that. Um, and of course, like Tavarov is always an asshole. It's not much to say that you have not already because he just continues to exist, unfortunately. Um, but then my question for about Luke, besides the whole why was he at the casino thing, um, was does he not like they I, I'm not making this up right. Like they introduced the fact that he had a mom and a sister who were still alive last season. So my question is, where are they now? <laughs> this man almost died. Irrelevant. It's like <laughs> it's only about his dad. I'm like, but where is his mom? <laughs> because DCTV does not like mothers. They continue to hate on mothers. So In this like essay, that. Mabel explains. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is all. Do we have any uh, feedback we from the starting with Shang? Um. Love how the characters are all fruity and have two brain cells to share. There's approximately four different love triangle squares, however you want your shipping web to go, happening in different capacities, uh, running on the foundation of lesbian drama. It's perfect. I am ready for Ryan, Sophie, Kate. Sophie has two hands and can hold both. Can... <laughs> that, was, that was not where I thought the rest of that thing was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, both hands. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I think I can speak for everyone when I say I'm fucking tired of Jacob. I hope we don't. I don't. I hope we don't see his ass that much in jail. That's right. He went to jail for her or whatever. All right. Cool. Um, Alice, please. I love her. God. I really like Rachel's chemistry with Wallace. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, but the sequence of Kate getting her memories back because of the mug was so good. I was actually quite surprised at Wallace's acting. Not gonna lie. Maybe it's because of the writing. I'll have to see her next week. Um, yeah, I think she did a good job. Um, and I've I've never had an issue with her as an actress, just only with writing on Krypton in general. So, I don't know. <laughs> Sophia! Keyboard slam. Queen shit. <laughs> okay, so is she actual big bad or not? At first we thought she was the side villain because of Black Mask, but it seems like now she's pulling the springs again. How could she not have saved one Desert Rose? Don't tell me there wasn't one seed in her pocket right. or something. Can't wait for the lesbian drama, though. <laughs> and then we got Sonia. Um, Sonia said, love the Patreon podcasting available on Fridays instead of Saturdays. It makes my Friday morning drive to work and Friday afternoon drive back so much better. Aww. You're welcome, Sonia. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> we did it for you. For so long we take the drive to work and <laughs> Yeah, unfortunate. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Batwoman, this was a great episode. Honestly, there wasn't any storyline I didn't like, which is the first for the show. I loved Luke dealing with both of his traumas, first being shot as an unarmed black man and not wanting to come back and stay with his dad instead. Cameron's acting was amazing. He broke my heart. I loved sassy Luke at the poker game. Yes, yes to all this. Yay for Diggle talking to Luke. I think that's exactly what Luke needed. I stopped watching Arrow after they fridged Laurel and I was wondering if the Diggle headache was something that was part of Arrow. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Diggle and his headache, like he's got some health thing going on. I think that's new. That was not an error. Oh, so. Yeah, I think it has to do with the whole, because he's avoiding whatever's in the box. Oh, right, right. right. He's not, he's not. <laughs> it's radiation that's he in the needs, box. He needs to, yeah. Okay, so that's going to be what that is. And I'm assuming that's going to be revealed at some, probably one of his, yes. his last appearances. Yeah. Probably the Flash. Mm-hmm. 
I really liked how Mary and Ryan worked together in Luke's absence. I also think it's great that both Mary and Ryan were able to work Luke's computer. I was honestly expecting a, a scene like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where Coulson was trying to use Fitzsimmons' hollow table when they weren't there and it wasn't working at all for him. Uh, the Kate Cersei stuff was great, as was seeing Jacob and Alice trying to get through to her. I love the story about the mug that Beth made Kate when Kate was struggling to come out. So sweet. Poor Mary that Kate didn't recognize her, but recognized Sophie right when she walked in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel really bad for both Alice and Ryan this episode. Alice, because she finally gets Kate back, only to lose Ocean. And Ryan, because she has to give up the one connection she had with her mom. That was very sad. Can't wait for next episode to see what happens with Kate Cersei and, and if Mary is able to help her. Um, and then I think that's where I had thoughts, maybe? Yes. Batwoman this week was good, but I had some issues. Namely, they crammed way too much in for one episode. Was this really the right time to bring Kate back? I love the Luke plot and him meeting Diggle, who just happened to be there, uh, and reflecting on his drama and what he truly wants in life was really moving, especially his scenes with Ryan, which were heartbreaking. Cameras and Javicia are incredible actors. What I didn't like was Kate's return subplot being in this episode. I enjoyed the plot line, but it distracted so much from everything else going on. I really wish they had been separate episodes. Jacob going to jail because Alice is his daughter was interesting. <laughs> many, many question marks there. <laughs> was interesting, but I generally uh, can't find myself caring about his character that much. Also, I felt nothing when Ocean died. You know what? I will mourn Ocean alone. Okay, y'all haters? Y'all are all haters. <laughs> Um, I will say that while I, I I complained about it last week, but I did feel sad a little bit sad. I was like, "Damn, you know, he came so far. Right, he's gone. He was just <sighs> he was just here to have a good time." Okay, anyway. <laughs> and they love that subway, that rundown subway station. It's their it's you their know? spot. It's yeah, their exactly. West Allen balcony mm. <laughs> or Jitter's rooftop. <laughs> is that all? That is all. That is all the feedback. Beautiful. Do we have any predictions? Tavaroff is joining the GCPD. Mm. Oh, yeah. They're already crooked over there. I feel like we. I feel like I think in the promo there was something that alluded to that, but I'm pretty sure because I think the GCPD is like recruiting people, or Roman is recruiting people through them. So I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that all of the corrupt crows will now become corrupt police officers. That is a very good prediction. And then we'll finally get to tackle the real enemy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. Moving on to The Flash, which, side B, Mindscape. Cecilia is forced to confront her past in order to break free from a psychic prison after being put there by Psycho, Psycho Pirate? Psycho Pirate's mask, which was introduced in Crisis for like 10 minutes, 10 seconds. <laughs> um, and But whose history we learn here dates back thousands of years and basically whoever has the mask wields the power. <laughs> While she's stuck there, Cecile's mind has been hijacked by the mask and Chuemi is buried to get him out of the way. We learn later that Cecile's mindscape is actually the psychiatric institution that she spent time in after her mother passed away in college and she had a breakdown. Meanwhile, Chester takes over for Cisco and he's trying to do a good job feeding the team information and helping Barry after he gets knocked out but assumes Cecile is telling the truth even after after Sue tells him something is off. He feels um, insecure about his place on Team Flash, but Iris assures him that it just takes time to get to know everyone, but that he's a full-fledged member of the team now and that he should use his voice. Poor guy's also having a weird day because he catches Barry and Iris trying to get it on in Star Labs. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Joe investigates Kristen Kramer's old military ties and discovers an unsettling truth in which she basically lied and led her own team potentially to death before blaming it on a metahuman. Rachel Talele directed the episode written by Sam Chelson and Christina M. Walker. What sparked joy? 
You know, I was fully prepared to like throw this episode away. Like it's the seal focus and like the synopsis, and it's just like you know, we just had like a Cisco goodbye episode, and the next one is Allegra. I'm like, oh my god. <sighs> but I was actually like pleasantly surprised. Like this in general, this episode was just miles better than last week's episode. Um, I I feel like it's a fun filler. It actually felt like a comic side story because we got like a lot of mythology around. Like, like, they didn't just like drop the villain in there and be like, here's a villain. We got a lot of the mythology behind the mask and, you know, how it has like invaded different people at different points in time. So I feel like that added something to it that made me kind of like curious, you know, about what they were up against and kind of like set the stakes of what kind of villain Psycho Pirate is supposed to be. Um, and I like that all the little reveals that this plot has actually been in motion for way longer <laughs> than we knew it was. Um, it's been happening under our noses all the time. Like, um, you know, and this goes back to, like, my prediction about Sage Force and all of his, like, little um, visions that he made people had when we, we first got introduced to him. Because Cecile's was, like, um, herself in the corner in, like, a straight jacket. And it's like, I don't know how that ties into anything. But... I was like, you know, Killer Frost. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's Cisco's tied into his actual story. So this is now coming into fruition. And then again, you have the Force Storm, where I just thought, like, the Sage Force didn't like her. (laughs) It was like, knocked her ass out. (laughs) But we we learned (laughs) in this episode that it was actually, like, Psycho Pirate's mask using that, or whatever Psycho Pirate is, using that to um, attack its next victim. So I, I like that, you know, this was all happening. You can kind of like connect the dots, go back and connect the dots. So that was all fun. Um, and I think we also got a really interesting, more than I was expecting, a backstory on Cecile. I was not expecting that at all. Um, it was really kind of a deep backstory and kind of added why. I know like some people were like, why is still so why is this a Cecile story? But I think it made sense with the fact that Psycho Pirate is a psychic villain. Cecile has psychic powers. Um, and then, you know, they added this backstory to it and it all led ultimately leads to a nice conversation with Joe at the end of the episode about the stigma of mental health in the black community, um, which was like really, you know, unexpected, but refreshing. Like these are the kind of black stories that are helpful, by the way, CW, you want like BLM stories. Like these are the kind of stories that are productive. (laughs) No one gets shot or racially profiled. You're just black people having healthy, productive conversations with other black people about black issues. Um, so I, I liked, you know, the ending conversation that they had. Um, I also loved Sue. Um, I thought it was her return into, I think it made sense the way that she came back to help with the heist, because obviously um, I think that her personality is something that's so different from the rest of the new members, because all of them come as JV newbies oh my god I, i'm on t-flash i'm so nervous i don't know what to do and then sue's just kind of like you know <laughs> just bursting in at the same level everyone is like her equal or on her peer level she's not coming in like looking up to like i don't know help me out barry and iris um so i think that her personality just brings something just drastically different from everybody else um the ballet through the lasers performance was great <laughs> i love that i feel like it's really fun um I also love like all things Chester. I love that he the lab looks great. Like the paint on the walls, Martin Luther came on one side, Tupac on the other side. Um, all of that was really great. Um, even like, you know, Kalen was not giving him much to go on, but I, I like like the kind of like 
party atmosphere he had going on. Um, you know, him trying to like convince her to loosen up. I feel like Frost would have danced, by the way, just saying. <laughs> and I also like the, <laughs> the awkwardness of like walking in on West Allen sexy times and Star Guys was just hilarious. Like, speaking of which, like, Wes Allen having sex in Star Labs has been a major fan and head canon for so long. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like Cisco did not, did not warn Chester about this. <laughs> <laughs> Which means it could have happened before. We don't know. But um, I like that that head canon has finally come to life. Um, I feel like it was really hilariously played by all three people. Um, our detailed detective friend, Amanda, <laughs> was, was like... I like she heard I knew I guess I knew I could hear talking but I had mm-hmm. no idea what was being said and man it was like it was Barry saying please don't stop and all this kind of stuff and just ah. like hilarious but um you know Iris trying to like you know play it cool like the cataloging cataloging is like the, the new like code word for sex like let's go catalog Barry <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wonder if like Iris had one of those um, like ovulation apps on like her phone, like trying to figure out when the best times to ovulate when she was like ovulating peak times. And it was like the peak time to get it in. And rather than like speed home, they chose to like do it there. <laughs> Cause I feel like Bear is just like over explaining, um, you know, and you know, that all, it was all like hilarious, but like, even at the end, like Chester's request that they like do it somewhere else. Like part of me is like, where you could knock, <laughs> it's their building. But <laughs> I feel like <laughs> <laughs> um, either way, it was like a little clunky, but was, but the setup was you know great to move it into the um, next episode plot of them going on vacation. So it all kind of works out. Um, and then in general, I just like Chester and Iris. I thought they had a great plot. Um, I think it's their first time really connecting as a pair. Um, so I like how supportive she was of him and when he was feeling like down on himself and having major doubts. Um, I think he was like too down on himself. He's like, I don't know you guys as well. And it's like, of course you don't. You just got here. <laughs> Why would you know people as well as Cisco? Um, but I like that Iris is there to kind of like support him. And again, it's like two, it, not next, like two black people pairs on the show supporting each other in the episode. So, because they could have easily had Caitlin in that role with Chester of like, don't feel so bad about yourself. So, but I'd like that it was with Iris. Um, so we had like Chester and Iris and we have Joe and Cecile. So I like, you know, black people supporting black people. Yay. Um, so I thought that was great. <laughs> uh, I definitely agree uh, that it was lovely to see those two pairings, especially throughout the episode uh, to see Iris and be the one that's kind of coaching or helping Chester uh integrate himself into the group more not that he wasn't part of it before but he didn't feel like he had earned that spot um so it was nice especially in the way that she did it where it was almost kind of like it's like almost dismissive because she's like i don't know why you would even think that you were not in there to begin (laughs) with like this has never crossed my mind um so i i liked that um she was supportive but also like like it was like a little bit of tough love with it too like all right you know you can stop wallowing now and even Mm -hmm. though i wish she had been on screen i did like that she also had talked to sue and that then sue apologized yeah to chester because i was like all right sue like she wasn't wrong she was right but (laughs) it's like you don't it was her delivery like her delivery was harsh it was her delivery (laughs) yeah so um so yeah, so so I was glad to get that apology, and I was glad that by the end of the episode, Chester felt comfortable a to go to the party, and then b to be like, please don't have sex in my in this archives. 
<laughs> Please find another location. Because um, before, he was just kind of like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to stand here awkwardly. This is him standing into the ground, finding his voice, like Iris said. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I thought that was nice. And I love how uh, Barry and Iris were actually like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> like they'd never even thought of speeding away somewhere else. Come on now. The babies, the tornado twins got to be born, you know, or conceived in a bed or something, right? A table, a kitchen table, but like in your own home. I mean, you know, if they are conceived in Star Labs, this is where the people spend the most of their time anyway. So it kind of like fits. (laughs) (laughs) It can add to the Flash Museum. And this is where the twins were conceived. I do like that we, we are spending more time in the Star Tide, so it does feel like we are moving towards the Flash Museum, which is, of course, very exciting. Um, so, yeah, all of that aspect was great. I, do, I love the fact that they even, like, thought of a heist at all, and that then the person you're going to call for a heist is Sue. So it was, like, nice to get her back for that reason. Um, I enjoyed all of that. Um, I did also was really surprised by how they went into the backstory with Cecile and that it felt... Um, it was really emotional and like believable without being like overly dramatic or whatever, you know, as long as they hit the right notes with it. Um, and the like Cecile in Cecile's mind, <laughs> the, the trapped Cecile in the prison with them, not the real Cecile. It was really creepy. It was just like, I'll say it was like, it was out of a horror movie. So they did a good job with that. Um, I also liked that it gave us uh, the chance to see Barry really as a leader again, as the empathic like heart of, the Flash that we have sometimes gotten away from in recent seasons. So him hearing Cecile out, him like sort of like giving her, giving her a pep talk that didn't feel cheesy, right? It really felt like he was listening to her and like he was like um, empathizing with her and helping her, helping her be strong again, which then gave him back his powers again. So like the power of love in a, in a nice, uh, not shoved in your face kind of way. Uh, speaking of, I thought it was really interesting that we did spend so much time with Cecile and uh, Barry. There was like an earlier episode where we kind of had that situation too. And I was like, this is like a, like an unusual pairing. I would never think like, wow, I think we need some Barry and Cecile time. But it worked out. And I guess it's like, it's nice to see that everyone in The Flash has their own dynamics, their own relationships, right? And so we got to see two that are unusual this episode, which would be Iris and Chester and Barry and Cecile. Um, also really loved, like you said, Jessica, the final scene with um, Cecile and Joe. And it did feel, once again, like a real conversation that two people might have. Two people that love and support each other. And also speaking about, like, larger issues in the community. And even though, like like you said, you know, you were happy with the conversation and you felt like it was, like, it was, like, good and right. And then, like, someone else, that another friend of mine was like, they haven't earned, the show hasn't earned that. And I was like, this is, like, like they haven't, but I would rather they just start. <laughs> you know? Rather than start trying to earn it now, which seems like that. <laughs> so, you know, definitely if we had just not done the entire Kramer storyline, <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> this would, you know. Anyway, so hopefully we're going to get more of this and less of what they did with Kramer, basically. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Other than just like, just I think it's definitely one of the better episodes, um, certainly of the season, but definitely like some of the one of the stronger entries in recent seasons. So, yes, indeed. Um, I too was surprised 
that it was so strong because last week was like, oh man, is this what's gonna be like for the rest of the season? Because I don't know if I could handle it. it was um, really but Flora, like, DM me, he's like, y'all didn't have a lot of things to say about the Flash. I'm like, you know, gowns, beautiful gowns. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 we have plenty of nice things to say this week <laughs> because it was like you said miles better than last week's episode um we got several heart to hearts which i've always felt like was the you know the core of the show it's like everybody's talking to each other in a nice empathetic way um we got that with barry and cecile we got one with cecile and joe we got one with um iris and chester so it was love all around <laughs> um and i did especially like the fact that well first i'm gonna start with the funny stuff because yes to uh west Allen having sex in the star archives that whole bit just reminded me of like the season four when they were trying to get married in the church <laughs> because when they like i wish they would just let them do more of this stuff because they're hilarious together when they do shit like this <laughs> um so i love that and even like at the end where sue was like yeah you know i'm staying at this really like posh hotel you guys should join me on the terrace and like iris like jabs barry like this is another place we could have sex let's go <laughs> <laughs> so so all of that was great chester being super awkward around them like oh so this is what you guys do <laughs> <laughs> when no one's looking what um, because, yeah, because they're so so often i'm sure this is not the first time that they've heard tried to have sex in our labs um but you know now because this is a family show we can make the excuse that they're just having sex because they have to make a baby <laughs> so at least we're finally getting these things <laughs> um and i do like like uh, Chester's whole storyline with regards to him sort of feeling like he doesn't know the team yet but also because you know at first it did feel like they brought him in to sort of slowly replace Cisco but also Chester is, is very much his own person and I like the fact that they did explore that like we saw that he's not exactly he's doing some Cisco stuff but like he revamped um, the lab so that it looks like something that belongs to him and not that it just belonged to Cisco that's being passed down to him um, and then the chat with Iris was really nice because you know it does take time to get to know people and he is also relatively a stranger to the rest of the team as well so they need time to get to know him and kind of like vibe with each other but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not welcome here um, and that people make mistakes too and you know that's okay so I really love that conversation and the Cecile stuff was really, I think was really powerful because I didn't expect that backstory um, with her. And I like the fact that we did get some more about her because we really don't know much about Cecile. Um, so it was nice to know that even though it was like really heartbreaking, the fact that, you know, what happened to her in college and why she feels this way. And even like with Barry Barry's empathy, it wasn't that like, oh, yeah, I understand what you're going through is I won't understand this. But I do understand what it's like to lose a mom. So he found something that he could relate to her and mm -hmm. try to get her to come back to, you know, show that she is stronger than she thinks that she is um, and that she can get through this. Um, what else? I loved, obviously, the conversation with Cecile and Joe at the end. Like you said, it's really important to recognize, you know, bring up mental health issues within um, the community and just like have those discussions and I wish that Flash would like this is the type of stuff that you know we want to see um moving into the back half of the season and into season eight because we don't really get enough of that at all where sometimes it does feel like 
we're wasting time on like the jokey jokey stuff that we're like okay well we've grown out of this <laughs> so let's talk more adult things um so yeah i think it was like a strong episode all around i thought the sue bits were also hilarious and really fun i like her dry sense of humor and or like her sarcasm it's just like no that was really stupid <laughs> <laughs> so I like I think that she's just um fun addition to the team and like the fact that she's not necessarily going to stick around forever but you know when she is around she gets um some interesting things to do and also the fact that Iris was in this episode for a much longer period of time than she was in last week's episode so thank you <laughs> writers um that's beautiful to me uh, what did not spark joy I don't know if I want to go first because I'm like I'm gonna be a hater, so I kind of want to talk to you first, even <laughs> though I will like touch on what you said. Um, okay. But in general, my main I will say like my main dislike, if I really have a main dislike, um, is yes, like I do agree. Some of Danny's acting choices are a little bit uh, strange. I don't know if it was directing or acting, I go, but if if you agree, because like I felt yeah. like. I feel like I'm a little bit crazy, but yeah, like... no, no. I mean, I do agree with what you're saying, although I don't think it was like that bad. It wasn't that bad, but I will just say my friend, I, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but my friend who doesn't watch the flash had been watching uh, an episode with me. Uh, it was the last time that Barry and Cecile had scenes. And then mm -hmm. she was like, is that Barry's girlfriend? And I was like, no, that's her, his mother-in-law. And she was like, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> okay. Well, like so... as much as I, like, I will, I'll just say this. Because as much as I like the episode as a whole and the plot, I love like Cecile's plot. I just thought Danny's acting choices were like weird. Um, like I don't some some of the, her shots. Like I don't know if it was giving the way that she thought it was giving. But in general, like I feel like the way that your friend feels and that the vibes are off. It just felt like she was damseling herself for Barry, or that she was like playing it. That Barry, she's playing it very like uh, like she was infantilizing herself for Barry to take care of her and I feel like it's weird because Cecile is like almost 20 years older than Barry um so you know she's the adult in this situation so it just felt very weird that she was babying herself for Barry in a way um it just felt like off and like I get like visually Danny is so small that visually you know she has to even if she's scary, like she has to look look up to Barry. But I feel like there's a difference between like vulnerability and whatever Danny was doing. Because like I'm like I'm trying to like what other situations can I you know compare this to? And I feel like Miranda Bailey from Grey's Anatomy is just as short, if not maybe shorter than Cecile. And she's been in situations where she's had to be vulnerable or scared in front of like interns who are younger than her or interns that are scared of her, you know. And it's never really come off the way that. Cecile, Danny plays Cecile with Barry when Cecile's in a vulnerable position. Um, like, he's not your man and he's not your dad. You're not Iris and you're not a child. But it just kind of, I don't know, the vibes were like off. And I feel like, I know some people were complaining that this should have been an Iris story. Like, one, because of the post-traumatic stress disorder storyline um, and how we've already had, because it's a little bit similar situation. It's kind of like a mirror world situation. Um you could have done that with Iris, which I feel like, you know, so much time has passed between them. It would have been, I get where, how they tied it in with Cecile, but the way Danny was playing it, I just feel like if that's the way she wanted to play it, then Joe should have been in there and not Barry. Um, like, be an angel for Joe, but not your son-in-law. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, 
I say like I feel like a little bit of uh, of a hater just because you know probably like I don't know if I felt crazy, but like if your friend who doesn't watch the show felt like that was the way that it was being played in that other episode, then you know maybe I'm not <laughs> as crazy right. as I thought it was. I, I think that one of the I don't know. Okay, so like I I don't I, I don't think that you're hating because like I do feel like it's there, but I feel like I wonder if it's like a writing or a directing thing just because I think that you could have written. Cecile in this episode in a way that would have avoided like she would have no reason to play it that way like you'd think with a character like Cecile she would be trying to be comforting Barry when he is there right and trying to hide how scared she is instead of right, exactly. and then he would be like oh I see that you're actually scared like you're projecting onto me because that's how you're feeling um, that kind of thing and they and instead it really was just like Cecile was just like for like from the start you know but I feel like that's her acting choice I mean yeah, like yeah <laughs> it could also definitely be her acting choice yeah. um but no one was like, hey, try not doing that. Or maybe they did like 20 times. And the 21st time, they're like, just, it's between you and God now. Just do that. I don't know. So, so it's like, I wonder I wonder who's really to blame. But I do agree <laughs> with you that there was a, it was like a little bit like it felt like she should have tried to be the reasonable I one don't. in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Even though, of course, she must be like, but like we could see her be scared and then we could see her change when Barry comes in, you know, like that kind of thing. So you see that instead of it just felt a little bit one note um, until yeah. we got like in the Holly scene when like Barry's going towards like the the psycho Cecile. Right. And Cecile's like, Barry, I want to turn back. His nose. You know, it just felt like she's the child and Barry's like, hold right. on, I'll check the monster under the bed. Right. Like, because I think, <laughs> I, yeah, I just feel like psychologically speaking, having someone else there to protect, especially if it's, like, your son-in-law or whatever, would then make you turn on, like, well, that's going to speed up. I don't know how you said in English. But basically, you know, you would then try to step up, right? Um, and we already know that she wasn't feeling that way before because we've seen her there without Barry. So we know that it was, like, her trying. But anyway, aside from that, the only other thing that I really disliked um, was probably just Sue being a hater. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Sue, please. She's <laughs> like, you just got here too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that was like, all right. Um, and also, I just think that, you know, like since Frost is out, I would like to see more Frost instead of yeah. Caitlin. <laughs> I have a nitpick though, because I, like, uh -huh. like Caitlin coming in, interrupted Cisco, or not Cisco, interrupted Chester finishing painting the wall. And then he went to Stark Eyes. He never finished painting that wall. That wall is still unfinished uh, by the end of the episode. That's <laughs> so like a nitpick. At least like finish painting the wall, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will agree that why I didn't think it was like her acting isn't as bad as some people's. Um, it is like in certain instances, it is like slightly exaggerated to dramatize the situation. And it's so funny, I guess, because like in an earlier interview, she was saying that she doesn't like damsels in distress or whatever. She's dampling <laughs> the hell out of her scenes. I'm sorry. So, yeah, that was interesting. Um, and yeah, it could definitely be like how they wrote it because they wanted Barry to be the, the one to kind of help her get her out of that situation. Um, but it would it would have been interesting if she had taken a little bit more charge too because it was like she knew what was going on in her own mindscape. Um, and I guess like this is also more of a quibble, but like the whole idea that 
psychiatric facilities, like her being in a straight jacket, it being yeah. sort of like um, all white. And I know that, you know, they're not exactly the most colorful places sometimes, but like just the the stereotype of it looking like that and her being in that situation where she's like, I guess, scaring herself. Um, and it being played sort of like a, like those, you know, 80s asylum mm-hmm. horror that's films a, yeah, that's a good thing point, going actually. on, um, which I did not like Like those moments in particular. Like, I think they could have made different choices um, for sure. But yeah, otherwise a strong episode. But what did our oh, lovely... Oh, I forgot. I have one more nitpick that I didn't mm-hmm. like. The, Joe was just like, basically, you get to take in that whole Kristen Kramer scene out. I don't know why Joe took firing himself to like Valentin <laughs> to Kramer. <laughs> and well, because that, they, they like mentioned briefly that she's captain now, right? They they just yeah. kind of gloss over that. But I feel like I feel like even this whole backstory of her lying and getting her troops killed and blaming on a meta, then how does that like that she even has less of a reason for her frost hate than before. And it's just like they're convoluting her backstory to something I don't know, even more fuzzy than what it needs to be to give Joe an adversary. Um, and if that was the way they, they should have had a stronger story from the beginning with the frost thing. Cause right now it's just like making less sense. Mm-hmm. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Feedback. All right. Feedback. Yes. Anita. At this point, I need to see the contract Eric signed when he took over a showrunner. <laughs> 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 a half blessing is that Chester is an adorable nerd who fits right, who fits right in. I like his taste in hero posters, one of which was Tupac, Tupac and the other one was like MLK. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and he went up on the wall just a day before what would have been his 50th birthday. I'd never been overly thirsty for West Allen intimate scenes, but it was funny how they let us know this young superhero couple stays getting their freak on. Only Barry and whatever nasty speedster shit he does to his wife could make her wear the same, <laughs> could make her wear her clothes inside out and mess up her hair in the same day. All of that was entertaining, and it was nice to see Sue Dearborn help the team with a heist. It's not like they had an extra team member at the disposal, like Allegra, right? But it's cool. <laughs> but Allegra's not a super Catwoman Dollar General spy thing. <laughs> whatever, whatever Sue is. But why is Joe West worrying about everybody except his daughters? Now Jenna is with Cecile's oh, yeah. nameless aunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are. Oh, yeah. I forgot Jenna to mention that, too. I thought that was so people. weird. Yeah. She's being raised by other people. More than she's being raised by her actual parents. Yeah, like that's, Joe is that's jobless bad. now. Like, why is he not? Yeah, he should be a stay-at-home dad. And <laughs> it's so funny because he's like, I sent Jenna away so that we could have some alone time, and then we never see him again until the end of the episode. <laughs> right. It was so okay. Anyway, um, Joe is trying to redeem a police department and city that chose some sh- random hawkish woman over him. Um, not to complain too much, but it was obvious that Cecile was hiding a brush with mental illness and psychiatric care. While I'm no expert on treatment methods does anxiety and depression necessarily have to be depicted with a straight jacket and the classic padded room and a maniacal laugh thank you anita (laughs) (laughs) it is true i i felt like that was cecile's vision of herself right like that wasn't reality that was just like her like mind mocking her but i agree that it would have been nice to see what was really going on which was not that i am sure (laughs) um if we're trying to remove a stigma of talking about mental illness especially diagnosis that affects more people than any other I think there must have been a more accurate way to portray the journey of someone who suffered an emotional breakdown. There are consultants for any for everything these days, so if it's so if that was wrong, it's inexcusable. 
Um, I just don't know what bargain Eric struck. The era of this, this era of the show is just getting a little wacky. <laughs> uh, Sonia then said, The Chester-centric nature of this episode was great. We got to see him dealing with being the one people turn to for gadgets and whatnot, and not knowing exactly what to do, but having his idea work out in the end. Loving Chester walking in on West Allen's baby-making session, and then at the end of the episode giving them a heads up, um, telling them to give him a heads up next time. Can someone please explain the cycle pirate thing? The characters were talking this episode like we know who this character is, and I honestly do not remember them at all. Okay, it was from Crisis. Um, I literally don't remember anything either, other than the mask makes he, you... He had a very minor part yeah. in Crisis. Yeah, I don't think they mentioned his name even, because they didn't really get into it. Yeah, they mentioned basically... it in the episode, but in this episode, but they didn't yeah. really... It's kind of like the mask allows you to control people's emotions, pretty much, is what it is. And then now can also suck you into its orbit you can see, like, possession of you. Mask. yeah 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 so so you I know how it bounces the seal to be honest right like that's the thing like what i liked about the episode was that even though it didn't explain any of that i didn't care you know like i was invested enough in the story as it was happening that i wasn't like wait a second none of this makes sense but you are right that it doesn't make sense and i don't know where this came from or what this iteration of psycho pirate is supposed to be <laughs> so uh, that's true so seal's story was so heartbreaking it made me cry Danielle Nicolette's acting was great, with heart-wrenching scenes along with her being evil, but pretending <laughs> to be Cecile. Not, I did like those scenes, the scenes where it was like actually Psycho Pirate, but being like, hey, I'm Cecile. Yeah. I think this is a great idea. <laughs> oh, was- you know, and I forgot to mention, I'm like, sorry, oh, Sonia. <laughs> Iris being the one to figure out that that was not Cecile. Yes, so. I love that yeah. too. Kudos. And her with the, big, with the big guns, Iris and the big guns. Yes, love that. Iris, yeah, that little. Um, anyway, uh, so she was like, top-notch acting from her, which is not something I usually say about either Danny. <laughs> it was nice to see Sue again, but honestly, when they were discussing breaking in somewhere and Cisco getting the person to join, I was half expecting to see Liesl Snart. Oh, that would have been fun. Glad Iris and Chester were able to stop Psycho Pirate and that Barry and Cecile were able to escape the dreamscape. Excited to see what's to come with the Kramer storyline. And then finally, Flash. Uh, Flash. Then finally, <laughs> Quora on Flash. The Flash was overall quite good. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the episode. Danny gave her best performance of day to Cecile, and we learned more about her and her trauma. I loved her discussion with Joe at the end and discussing the importance of mental health, particularly uh, African American in the African American community. Just as Jessica said on Twitter, it's so important to the, that the show gives us this kind of story for Black characters. It was great to see the team, especially badass Iris wielding a blaster gun, take down the villain. Whom, by the way, I wasn't sure who it was. <laughs> no one knows! It's Psycho Pirate, y'all. Was it a work Dr. Strange? Someone else? It was hard to follow. What I didn't like was Sue's throwaway line about learning spy tricks in Tunisia. I know it was just one or two lines, but are you fucking kidding me? It's such neo-orientalist bullshit of constantly yes. mentioning Kina region as exotic and dangerous. This is very true. We're so tired, especially after that opening sequence in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I hope the writers um, on this and other shows don't pull this again lest we have to call it out again but in spite of that um i very much enjoyed the episode and i'm looking forward to next week's thank you all right any predictions (sighs) no (laughs) (laughs) thought about it i didn't have it no (laughs) all right let 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 it you know go where the wind blows Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, Lady with Gumption nominees. Who do we pick from each show? Uh, um, I guess well, mm-hmm. Sarah for Legends. 
Mm-hmm. Or, or Spooner, maybe. Spooner, yeah, mm-hmm. Spooner definitely put up a good fight. Um, Batwoman, uh... Kate for breaking free, Alice for... But then she unbroke free, free, so she... Yeah, then she unbroke free. <laughs> <laughs> she went right back in. She went um, right back inside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sophia for just being badass. Uh, um, it feels like Batwoman is not gonna win, so... Yeah, Batwoman's not gonna win. So, <laughs> so okay, so we got two from Legends, Sarah and Spooner. And then Flash, I probably mean, Cecile, you know, Cecile. for undamsling herself long enough to get out of there. <laughs> and also for facing her, facing her, yeah. you know. I mean, ultimately, I feel like it's, it's, it's Cecile by, like, technical default. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is dating. But, yes. <laughs> Cecile. For the week. Yeah. 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 But I do want to give out a shout out to Spooner because I feel like she yes. was able to, like, find a herself in a situation where she learned something new about her identity and also she, I think she was can, able to she still confronted the alien even yeah. though she was like very very scared of what that would mean right. for mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. to actually exactly. be something that she's hated for years so mm-hmm. she stood up to her fear and went to confirm it so love that yep, some deep shit on the gets an, TV this gets an honorary mention <laughs> So thank you for listening to us once again. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and we will be back next week for more DCTV with Legends, Batwoman, and Flash. Until next week, fare thee well. Goodbye.